Marine biology right now is incredibly fascinating, all marine life studies, and primarily because of our changing ocean environment. Your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Well, I'm Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive actions are inspiring positive achievements. Exceptional people rise to the challenge. Music by the talented Chris Noll. Check out his music and learn so much more about his background. Download his music at chrisnoll.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. My website is yourpositiveimprint.com, where you can sign up for email updates and learn more about the podcast. You can listen to the show from my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, or of course, listen from any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or simply your favorite podcast platform, Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Biologist, endangered species manager, cinematographer, diver, activist, and advocate, Terry Lilly, joins the show today with remarkable information about the ocean and its wildlife. Terry is everything wild, wild in nature, that is. His extensive wildlife management background and diving expertise has allowed him to move forward with underwater marine life studies and cinematography. With over 4,000 hours of underwater and really anything nature footage, Terry is able to educate and bring awareness to the changes to the coral reefs, wildlife populations, the landscapes, and so much more. Terry Lilly is also associated with National Geographic's Go Wild regarding shark behavior. Terry's legacy is to bring not only awareness to the preservation of our natural world, but the active engagement by humans to save the environment. He was featured on my podcast, episodes 156 and 157 as well. Terry is everything wild, wild in nature, that is. Terry, <laughs> welcome to the show. It's so good to see you again. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha to you too, and thanks for having me on. It's uh, broadcasting right now from the beautiful island of Kauai. And as we talked about a little while ago, we have had uh, three weeks of no rain, no wind, and sunshine. So you know what? Mother Nature can dish out some pretty nice conditions from time to time to get my work done out in the ocean. So it's been really beautiful. Well, your work out in the ocean is so imperative. The last time you talked about how many times you were arrested <laughs> when we talked about the United States Endangered Species Act, we laugh about it. But when you look back, if those things didn't happen when you were so active and an advocate in that time period, we might not have moved forward the way we did for the preservation of endangered species. Not that I'm glad that you were in prison, but... <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> hey, hey, Catherine, you know, uh, as you live to be a little bit older and then you kind of maybe discover what your path is on this planet in this lifetime, then a lot of these things become very clear. With every action, there's an equal 
and opposite reaction. And I'm a firm believer there is no negative on this planet at all. If you learn to discover why you're here, what you're supposed to be doing, and you follow your path, then everything's a positive. So breaking my neck, breaking my back, having a hip replaced, having a heart seizure, all of the, you know, getting thrown in jail three or four times, all of these crazy things have led me to be able to see and know what I know about the ocean and our marine environment today. And every one of them was a very good thing to have happened. If, like you said, if it didn't happen, I wouldn't be here right now uh, doing what I'm doing. So once again, I, I really love to teach kids and I really like to tell them that, look at anything that happens in your life that you may think is a negative right now, just give it some time, look at yourself, figure out who you are and you'll find out it was a positive. Absolutely, your attitude is remarkable. You've given up a lot to do what you're doing. Marine biologists like Terry Lilly are bringing information to the world and to other biologists so that comparisons may be made with their data so they can get a better idea of what is happening in our undersea world. In episodes 154 and 156, Terry laid a background for where he came from and his early years of biology advocacy. As a marine biologist today, he brings us crucial data in understanding the ocean's ecosystem and its life. Marine biology right now is incredibly fascinating, all marine life studies, and primarily because of our changing ocean environment. 15, 20 years ago, when I started writing articles and doing movies for TV about marine life, there was a complacency that was going on with the public. There were hardly any articles in the news or the media about our oceans, about our beaches, about our coral reefs, kelp forests, whales, dolphins, and sea turtles. It just literally didn't come up uh, on the radar screen, so to speak, in the mainstream media. Now all of that is changing in a huge and very quick, dramatic way. We have climate change happening, which we know is being accelerated by human activity. And then we also have natural changes that happen on the Earth. Every 26,000 years, the Earth goes through a complete magnetic change all on its own. It's been happening for a long period of time. So what being in the ocean day by day has taught me that in order to understand these changes, you really need to be out there. there there's nothing that suffices for knowledge on a first-hand event. So if you're going to be studying the surf and the reef, let's say, well, you better be out there surfing and diving and looking what the reef looks like and following the changes. If you're going to be studying whales and dolphins to see what they're doing, you need to be out there with the whales and the dolphins. And it's one of the things when I travel around the world, I always get enmeshed in whatever indigenous culture lives in that area whether it's in the Philippines or Australia or, or Bora Bora, I love to meet with the people that have lived the environment, yes. studied it through their culture, and go out with them and actually see and feel what's really happening. All too often right now in the scientific community, you hear all of these reports all around the world, for instance, that global warming is killing our coral reefs. Okay, when I heard that you know, three to four years ago, I got the funding and I went around the entire planet 
thousands of hours underwater studying coral reefs from Indonesia to the Philippines to Caribbean to Mexico. And what I found by direct observation, a lot of the coral reefs we have on Earth right now are doing just fine. They're thriving. They're growing really well. There was just an article in the newspaper today here in Hawaii about how the scientists found a new coral reef off of Tahiti that's absolutely pristine, doesn't appear to have any effects whatsoever from human activities. We got to balance the positive with the negative. We have a lot of destruction of our ocean that's probably induced and created by human activity. And at the same time, we have a lot of the ocean that is developing along with climate change and doing very well. And this direct observation is going to help us to learn how these changes are happening uh, on Earth right now. Certainly now, as a teacher, we depend on the scientists around the world to provide information so that we can bring it into the classroom. So I'm going to go back to something that you brought up about the uh, complacency Jacques Cousteau brought back so much information on his cruises. They aired those, and we watched them all the time. And that changed our lives growing up, for sure. And I became absolutely enthralled with Jacques Cousteau. And then, of course, John Denver came along with his music. And it was, yes, it was during a time when people were too complacent. So his music was viewed as this activist uh, and and not viewed as we need these messages to continue to move forward so people are not complacent. So they find their own positive imprint and engage it and work on it. Mainstream media has a lot to do with it. Scientists like yourself need a place to get the information out when mainstream media isn't there to help you. With social media right now, with podcasts like we're doing right now, we have the ability to take a visual of what's going on underwater anywhere in the world and get that visual right into a classroom or online with a million children so they can see for themselves what's going on in that area right there. The COVID issue taught us all that education has got to change. Education has got to be a little different than it was previously because we're not going to be able to pack two, 300 kids or college students into an auditorium to hear a lecture about the ocean or marine life anymore. So what it has allowed now is the public to say, okay, wow, we have all this incredible technology. Why can't we study our environment around the world and bring it directly to all the kids and, and teach them online? It's unlimited and it's very, very, very powerful. In the past, some of the universities would put out a study, I'll just give an example, of coral reefs. And those studies were done in Florida. Some of the studies were done here in Hawaii. Uh, a few of them in French Polynesia. So these scientists were studying a coral reef and that coral reef was dying. And then they tried to find a reason why it was dying. You know, they're good scientists. I mean, I, I know all these people really well, and I love them dearly. They're looking at a very limited part of the ocean, trying to figure out why these coral reefs are dying. So what happened due to COVID is that we now can be all around the world 
and we can be at 100, 200, 300 coral reefs all at the same time. And we can have divers and videographers underwater at all of these places and share it all at the same time with education in the schools. And I call it comparative analysis. If you are having a problem with your left finger, okay, and your left finger hurts and it's swelling up and it's giving you a headache and it's very painful, well, then you have to study your whole body to see what's going on with your left finger. You can't just isolate your left finger and say, okay, well, I'm going to take my left finger off <laughs> and I'm going to try to figure out why it's hurting so darn bad. Okay. Doesn't that sound silly? <laughs> you know, if your left finger is hurting that bad, you better go in and you better get a blood test and maybe some x-rays and electrocardiogram and find out if something's wrong with your circulation, find out if you have some kind of parasite or disease. We all do that when it comes to medical professions, but we don't do that when it comes to studying the ocean. I look at things a little bit differently. The earth is incredibly complicated. Mother nature has designed this beautiful planet that has millions upon billions of variables. Remember in Jurassic Park, I always loved the first Jurassic Park. And primarily it's because I supplied some of the reptiles for the movie that were animated. <laughs> but if you remember Malcolm, the mathematician talked about the chaos theory. And if you add too many variables into nature, then that individual system is going to fall apart because you can't control nature. There's way too many variables. So knowing this principle, I just said to myself, and I raised some funds in 2014, and I went to all these coral reefs around the world. And I took my video camera and I shot video of over a hundred coral reefs on earth that were in immaculate, pristine condition. And then I did temperature changes of the water in all those areas. And I found out, especially in Indonesia, the water temperatures changed over 10 degrees from summer to winter. So a two degree change average of sea temperatures around the world is not likely to affect these reef systems that are used to going through a 10 degree temperature change. Okay. So the first thing that I found out, and I'm doing a whole series of movies on this right now, uh, and some with National Geographic and on mainstream media and television, is to show that our environmental problems are way more complicated than just saying we're going to blame everything on climate change. That is kind of a way that high-powered companies and government officials get out of paying attention to what they're doing to the planet. So each reef system, just like our left hand and our right hand, are completely connected. All the oceans are connected. All the coral reefs are connected. All the marine life are connected. So if you got a dead reef in one part of the world and a live reef in the other part of the world, then you need to look at the whole world body and say, okay, what is out of balance here? What is out of whack? What has lost its harmony? You can't just study one little individual area and say, this is what's happening on the entire planet. 
So using good technology and social media, my intention is to have hundreds upon thousands of coral reefs that are being videoed and studied every day. And then all that information can come to the schools to give our children a better idea of what's happening on planet Earth, not just what's happening in their own backyard. When you were talking about the one area where the coral reef, the temperature was changing, could there be specific reasons for that area? So what I call that is a localized problem, not a worldly problem, but it's local. I just smashed my left finger with the hammer building my house. Okay, that's a localized problem. So I, I like to put these, uh, I like to put the earth in the context of the human body because people understand their own human body. They don't quite understand that the earth is very similar to an individual human body. So you're absolutely right. You can go to one coral reef in Hawaii that's dying. And I'm doing this, it's what I'm doing right now every single day of the week. Then you can go to another coral reef in Hawaii that's thriving. They have the same environmental changes from climate change, the same effects from tourism, the same effects from almost everything. So why is one reef dying and one reef not? And what we have found is that there's a whole bunch of things out there that can affect the health of a coral reef that people weren't even paying attention to. One of them is microwave radar towers, especially used by the military. We have shown that anything near these microwave radar towers, the coral reefs all died. And so we actually did a map of these military microwave towers in the Hawaiian Islands. Sure enough, all of the coral reefs that died here in Hawaii were in direct line of these military microwave towers. On the east coast of Australia on the Great Barrier Reef. Everyone knows about the Great Barrier Reef dying and part of the Great Barrier Reef dying. If you go in the northern parts and then around the point down to Darwin and then up through Indonesia, the coral reefs are fine. And these are areas that even have hotter sea temperatures. So what's going on off the Great Barrier Reef? Well, first of all, farm chemicals are running out into the sea. Second of all, they have intense sewage problems along that part of the coastline. And third of all, this came right from the, the Australian government. It's the permitted area for the Australian Navy and the U.S. Navy to practice underwater submarine weapons training that discharges electromagnetic energy into the coral reef dissolving and killing the corals. Once again, we're, we're kind of at a really pivotal point here right now where we got to start paying attention to what we're doing in individual areas. That's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is how that's affecting the entire planet. So, it, you know, we, we, we got to look at taking care of nature in a completely different way, in my opinion, than we have been in the past. And we need to go back to the way our indigenous cultures did it by direct first-hand observation in each area and then comparative analysis to what other experts are seeing in their area. We were out at Polyhale once and I thought that the Navy ship out there got pretty close to shore, 
Uh, yeah. Obviously, that large of a ship isn't going to be right at shore, but I thought it was pretty close, and we didn't know why until we found information in the newspaper there in Kauai about what they were doing. I'll give you an example of Kauai North Shore and what you saw back at that point in time and the North Shore on Oahu at the famous surf spots like Pipeline, Sunset, Waimea. And I split my time between the two North Shores studying both of them. So in Kauai in 2012, the military started their near shore submarine and Navy ship electromagnetic weapons training along the North Shore of Kauai. They ramped up 26 military microwave towers to use to produce microwave weapons, use for communications, and also to use for surveillance, submarine and ship activity. So basically in 2012 on the North Shore of Kauai, the electricity was turned on by the U.S. military. And they practice all this weapons training underwater near shore. Well, it so happens three months later is when all the coral reefs started dying along the North Shore of Kauai. So we studied this weapon trainings program and microwave radar program. None of this was classified at the time. We studied it every day for five years. As it became more intense, more of the coral died. In 2015, almost all the coral was dead along the North Shore of Kauai. Now, in 2015, we had a high-profile meeting with uh, the head of the military here in Hawaii, and the military said in a public event that they would move their operations 30 to 50 miles offshore, just as a preventative measure. Well, guess what? Since 2015, we haven't seen the warships. We haven't heard any sonar. We haven't seen even a military helicopter airplane on the North Shore of Kauai. And guess what? Our coral reefs are all growing back. And they're growing back in the time. This is, see, this is again, firsthand observation, not making grandiose statements. The coral reefs North Shore of Kauai, and I've got video of these corals, over a million corals on video every couple months growing at this astounding rate of six to seven inches a year. Okay, now facts are, when the Navy stopped doing their underwater training, the corals started growing back and they're growing well. And we're documenting that coral growth, even in time-lapse photography. So you'll actually be able to see a coral reef grow when we get oh, down to this cool, project. that's cool, Terry. Yeah, you'll be able to see it as if it was happening in a day, but this took seven years now. Now, let's do comparative analysis. On the north shore of Oahu, the corals all also died. And it's so bad on the north shore of Oahu that the reef actually is lowered in elevation about three feet down because the corals died and dissolved. This allows more of the energy to come across the reef and hit the beach, which tore up the beaches from Pipeline to Sunset Beach, and all these homes are falling into the ocean. So direct cause and effect. Now, what's different about Kauai and Oahu? Go to Oahu right now, sit on the beach at Pipeline, to watch the upcoming surf contest, you're gonna see Navy ships, jets flying over, dozens of military helicopters. Go underwater, you can hear all their sonar blasting right and left. So North Shore Oahu is still doing all their weapons training right in the near shore reefs, and the reefs are dead. In Kauai, 
They moved 30 miles offshore and the reefs came back to life. This is a kind of scientific information that I believe needs to get out. You have to look at each individual area to figure out if it's a thorn in your finger, so it's something happening just in that area, versus you have bone marrow cancer and your figure's hurting and your whole body's in danger of dying. So it's a little bit of taking an old tradition of firsthand observation and mixing it with modern Western science with the ability of using satellites, drone helicopters, drone submarines, um, instantaneous education where I can get out of the water at Hyanna at Tunnels Beach and do a broadcast to the reef to a million kids in school within five minutes. That's something that we've talked about is getting the information out to the teachers and working on that and I'm, I'm really proud to be able to work with you on that in the upcoming weeks and it's it's something that will be ongoing next week terry continues sharing his positive imprints along with his experiences terry was scuba diving when yeah i had to learn the hard way but once again i look back at it now and i see why it happened i did underwater electrical studies to pick up electromagnetic discharge into the coral reef which shouldn't be there there should be no electromagnetic energy naturally underwater on a coral reef Thanks for listening. Please leave positive reviews and hit that download, subscribe, or follow button now. Terry Lilly, everything wild, wild in nature that is, again next week. Your positive imprint. What's your P.I.?